I never told no one that My whole life I've been holding back Every time I load my gun up So I can shoot for the stars I hear a voice like Who do you think you are? All right, everybody, another day, another dollar Another one of my favorite episodes Yes, I'm completely biased It's my own podcast What if it did work? I'm honored. This is this is something completely come original. Usually don't have someone that's an expertise in this, but here we are. Donna Lynn Raleigh. She's been a coaching, she's been coaching high achievers to become the joyful, successful masters of their lives for over a decade. From a career on Broadway, always wanted to be a Broadway star myself, to life as a CEO in corporate. Backlit by decades of training in health, law of attraction, and spirituality. Her own journey helped her understand and create strategies for hitting and surpassing every goal faster and with more ease. Featured in Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, Donna Lynn is now on a mission to inspire 42 million people to create exciting, fast-lasting results and joyful success with ease. How's it going, Donalyn? It's great. How are you? It's so exciting to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, My pleasure, especially having you on, and especially since you reached out to me. And and the best part about it, it's like what I spoke to you about, to me, it was always like a Jacques Cousteau journey to find happiness. And here you are, the happiness expert. Heck, where were you all these years? I love the idea that it's buried a little, right? It's under the water. That was fantastic. Well, I will tell you, it's funny that I reached out to you because it wasn't part of my reach out plan. So it really was just a meeting up of, uh, you know, the energies of the world. I was like, I don't know, this looks like the right thing. And so I'm glad to get to connect with you. Well, I'm sure you agree with this statement. There's no such thing as randomness. Yeah, that's right. It happens for a reason, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So growing up, since you're the happiness expert, were you the happy-go-lucky child, amazing childhood, completely evolved, like you were Zig Ziglar before there was a Zig Ziglar and the <laughs> Napoleon Hill? Were, is that how the journey started? You woke up no, as a child and happiness? It's so funny that you that you go to childhood because this. I feel like this is a really important piece of how we find happiness that when we look and we say, but I didn't have these things in the past, then it often stands in the way of us having these things now. So no, there was not a lot of happiness in my childhood. In fact, I was ruminating on this moment the other day where I was in, we had horses and I would, I would, go in the stalls. And there was a horse that I liked particularly well. And when I was not feeling good about the world, I would go in the horse's stall and kind of hang out with them, you know, because they seem better than people. And I remember being kind of crouched in the corner at a teenage years, you know, and thinking, I, I can win blue ribbons. I can figure out how to jump through the hoops but I just can't do that and be happy. I can't figure it out. I don't know how to do it. And for me, those moments, they're the jumping off points, right? They're the moments that you go like, okay, got to figure it out. What are we going to do now? Right? And so you have them along the way. And then there's a moment where you go, okay, I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to figure out how do I take care of my body better? How do I take care of my mind better? I'm going to study all these different 
people and systems. And for me, that included biofeedback and herbology and a bunch of physical things as well as spiritual. And, and then, and then you get to this place, right? So decades later, right? If you keep doing it, you get to this place that I got to a couple of years ago where my entire world fell apart. It just <laughs> crashed and burned, right? My, my husband of over 25 years, got diagnosed with a bad problem. I closed my coaching practice to help him with it. Four months later, he was uh, had passed away and we had sold the house to help him move somewhere, but the house sold four days after that, right? So you stand there and you go like, oh, I have no identity. I have no work. I have no primary relationships and I have no place to live. Is this devastation or is this opportunity? And that's that same moment that we all go through when we're deciding how do I choose for joy? How do I reach for joy and how do I choose it? Wow. And such a major life altering event. A lot of times people would define themselves as, well, don't talk to me. I have my cross to bear now. I'm the widower. You know, you don't know what life is like. You don't know what loss is like because there, there's plenty of people out there that just want to hold on to pain, hold on to suffering, hold on to monumental catastrophic catastrophic events. And a lot of times it's called life. Sometimes these things, they're not meant to define us. It just happens. And I, you know, I'm sorry that your husband died, but unfortunately in this life, none of, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. My father used to say, it's a one-way ticket, right? And when you remember that and you have the ability to make boundaries for yourself so that you're a whole person, you know how to generate your feelings, you know how to be satisfied on your own, you know how to find joy without getting everybody else to do the dancing that entertains you, whatever that looks like in your life, right? Then you have something to give to that situation. Then you have union with people that can survive those kinds of separations, right? And it doesn't really matter if we're talking about that particular journey. I call it the portal of change. I went through the portal of change, right? Because it feels like a giant swirl when we're changing and our life is falling away from us. Sometimes we're not fortunate enough, fortunate enough to have it fall away from us. And instead we say, I want to start a new business. And the people who love us the most say, we don't want you to start a new business. It's too risky. Oh, we don't want you to be different. What is wrong with you? You were perfectly fine. Can't you just keep doing what you were doing, right? And those are the same kinds of portals, right, that we go through where we want to be different and we could be different, but only if we have ourselves in that process. Now, I got to ask, you made it on Broadway. Is singer? singer no. Dancer? No. So I was a sound designer. I was, I was 18 years old when I did my first Broadway show in and as a sound designer. And it was amazing. I loved it. I have always had a, an ear for sound that uh, particularly nature sounds really interest me, what happens in the body. And so I did that for several years until I realized that there was more to the story and that I really wanted 
to to not just support these amazing stories that are being told in the theater, but also to be able to know what's happening in the human body when I'm playing those sounds and to really be deliberate. And so that was one of the beginnings of my ability to know how to sort of work the spacesuit that we're in, right? Because that's it. We, we have to figure out how it works. And there are such nuances. Now, I know you've had an unconventional life and, you're one, and you go to your own beat, but I'm sure family, friends, when you made it, Pinnacle, at such a young age, because everybody, you know, Broadway, 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 you know, they musicals, whatnot, everybody has these dreams and they, happiness. A lot of people believe, that, you know, well, Broadway, that's got to be a destination. That's got to be how you, you find happiness. Where people like St. Donalyn, are you insane? People <laughs> want, people crave, people, this is their dream and you're just leaving it. I'm sure you got a lot of that, right? A, a lot of blowback from, from you leaving. Yeah, I so, oh, from me leaving. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about, actually, you reminded me of this moment where there was a time when both, I I had a show on Broadway and down the block, my brother, who was a scenic artist, had a show on Broadway and he was working there. He said, let me, he's several years older than I am. So I was just a little kid, you know how that goes. And he said, let me take you out to lunch. I said, okay, great. And we go out to lunch and he gives me a big lecture about how you got to have more respect because these people worked hard and you just got here. We don't know how you did it, right? We don't know how you did it, but you got here and you're doing the job as well as they are. So don't be, uh, you know, snot-nosed about it basically, right? And and I think that that happens when you tap into what you're good at and you say, I am willing to be good at this. I am willing to allow myself to shine and to lean into who I really am without regard for how long or how hard other people worked to get the same results. Then you get something really different. So when it was time for me at the other end, by my own schedule to leave, right? When I had gotten to a point where I felt like this is not where I shine anymore, right? These are not the people that, although I looked up to them for many, many years, that I that I want to continue working with. And there's something new for me. There's something more for me. And I want to find that, that, you know, it was it was a big blow to the people in my life. You know, the people in my life felt like you are, why are you walking away at the top of what you're doing, right? You're at the place where there's kind of no up from here. You just do this for 40 more years, right? And I thought, isn't there up from here? I get to define it. I get to be it. I get to decide what is my mission in life each moment at a time. So yeah, there was a lot of blowback. It's funny because everybody wants to, Define people. Well, this this is your career move. This this is happiness. It, that's that's why I laugh because yes, you are the the joy coach. But here, other people were trying to tell you this is this is going to define your life. This is going to make your happy happiness. And a lot of times, we get advice from people that aren't necessarily successful in what they're giving their their life opinions to. Oh well, I want to start my own business. And then they go to a person that's never owned a business for defining, you know, co I'll call it free coaching. And like, that's not for you. 
You see, you 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 weren't listening to other people. How can somebody tell you what your life for happiness, for joy, for success is? They're not. They're not you. We're, we're all completely different. There's there's not one definition of success that's the right one for happiness, for joy, or for pretty much anything. That's right. That's right. There is a saying comparing my insides with your outsides. And people do it all the time where they look at your life and they go, you got everything. But the reality for me at the top of that beautiful ladder, which I love to talk about in glowing terms, was that it was ugly. It was hard. It didn't fulfill me in the ways that I wanted to be fulfilled, right? So my insides told a very different story than my outsides. My outsides told a story about being one of the first women sound designers in college textbooks, right? It told a story about knowing very famous people. It told this story about success and glamour. But what was really going on was dissatisfaction, right? A lack of fulfillment and me looking outside myself to find that happiness, joy, fulfillment, peace. And it wasn't until later when I really learned how to generate it from within that I realized that I don't have to be subject to other people's opinions, right? I can understand because I have this little bit of distance and people do this as you, as you practice and practice this work, you have a little bit of distance and suddenly you go, They're judging my outsides and thinking that it's like what they would feel inside. But nobody knows you. You know you. And it's quite liberating to understand. You know, often when we get married, we fall in love, we feel like, oh, no, you know me. You know me the best, right? You complete me, right? But in reality, we get liberated when we allow ourselves to be complete and then to be in union. So it's really different. Well, when you're talking about relationships there, the the one thing is everybody wants to, so many people want to be in a relationship because they believe that's where the joy is. That's where happiness, some other person, that's the treasure. That That's like the Jacques Cousteau or, you know, diving down for looking at the Titanic. That's the treasure right there is, That other person who might not even, their definition of happiness, their definition of a relationship, their definition of love is completely different than mine, but that he or she is going to complete me. Mm. Do do you believe that's from just social media and not just social media, but just all the Disney movies, all the Mm. rom-coms, everything that, you know, we, we, we define something just man-made, something created. Yeah, it's such an interesting journey that love has taken in our society. You know, if you go back to the time periods where women had babies and really women were the society in that they were supported by mothers and sisters and the men, they hunted, they brought things, they helped, right? I'm not saying they, they weren't a part of that, but they weren't didn't have a really central fatherhood role that we have now. And so along the way, as religions developed, as we found our way into this society, there have been these moments where uh, 
fathers, men, <laughs> right, have said, I want to matter in this. And so how do we make both people matter? And what is this mystical thing that happens when we are together, right? And how do we describe that? And how do we get more of it? <laughs> so there's, you know, it's really built on what our bodies want to do. Our bodies, you know, men need to plant seed. That's what they do. And women need to have babies because that's how our bodies are built, not because we should be doing that with our lives, right? Now we're in a society where we have lots of choices and we those things can manifest in really different ways. For instance, I don't have children and I'm not sad about it, right? But other people might make a different choice than that. So that romanticized love, it doesn't have to rule you, but it is firmly planted in all of our media. You're absolutely right. Well, not only that, but I remember, well, it, this is still like a major topic. If somebody's not married by 30, they're damaged. There, there's got to be something crazy going on. And like what society says, every married couple has to have children. Because, you know, we need to produce, we need more, more people. And what is wrong with you serious? I'm sure you got that too. You guys were, you guys were married for 20 something years. And I'm sure you, you kept on getting the question. So, oh yeah. When are you? Oh, yeah. They didn't give up for a while. Right? <laughs> they didn't give up for a while. Yeah, no. They and my favorite part about it wasn't my favorite part at the moment, but you know, from the time I was maybe 22 or so, that question came along, right? And and even before you're in a stable relationship, people are like, "Do you want to have babies?" And I was like, mm, "It doesn't look like it's for me. <laughs> it looks like maybe my life is different than that." And People always will say to you, particularly people who have been in a journey that they enjoy, that they think is a good path, right? They have babies. They'll say to you, oh, you'll change your mind. And it wasn't until I was maybe 35 or 37 that they said that they stopped talking about it entirely, you know, but you, you put up with it for another 10 or 12 years. And the thing is to know yourself, right? To be able to know yourself and to feel good about your choices rather than those guilty feelings that we often feel when we're not satisfying somebody else, right? Because that's the role reversal is that we're supposed to be satisfying ourselves to some extent, right? And and be productive in the world. Don't get me wrong. Not to, not to be selfish, but to put yourself in your own driver's seat and stop letting your mother drive, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so, you know, that's got to be happiness. There's, there's got to be joy. I need to make my parents' life complete. I, I need, they need to vicariously live through me. That's, that's with so many people. And when they do have kids, if they don't like, you could have been pressured into having them, you know, out of guilt and out of, you know, just following norms. And it's like, it's no different than, well, our marriage is really troubled. I know what's going what can really bring joy and happiness. How about if we start having kids? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we do that throughout our life, right? We try to change circumstances in order to change that internal story. So, these are reasons we change jobs, we change spouses, we change whether we have kids or not, <laughs> right? All of that is dependent on us saying, hey, I don't like how I feel, and therefore it is out there that needs to change. 
And you'll even find some coaches who will say to you, oh, you should interpret that message as you should make a change, right? But in reality, you're dealing with you, that all of this is just a reflection of what's happening inside. And so if you want to make a change outside, if you say, I don't like looking at that, I don't like the way society is going, I don't like the way my business is going, I don't like the way my relationship is going, start here and watch what changes without you saying a word. But you did that that requires vulnerability and that 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 requires ownership saying it has to start with me because it's so much easier pointing fingers, my spouse, my girlfriend, my significant other, my 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 child, my childhood, my my parents. It's funny because, you know, as a coach myself, I some people you mean like you don't want to ever do therapy or it's like, why? Why do I need to relive? the same traumatic experience over and over and over, not for an hour, because you're billing me an hour, you're giving me 50 minutes, <laughs> right now I'm the same thing, you're asking me the same question. And at some point, we have to take accountability. Yeah, my childhood was not ideal, but at 50, I've been 32 years and an adult. You know, clearly, we all know what's right and wrong. We do know vices do not serve us. We do know, you know, common sense. We we pretend we don't have it so that we can touch the proverbial hot stove. Then when we get burned, you know, oh my gosh, why was the stove hot? Well, why did you touch it for the hundredth time? Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that so much. My, my father would always say things like that to me, like, you know, you're not going to be a kid forever. This is your moment. You're 18, you're 20, whatever it is, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure it out. And even in the way that we look at our children and deal with our children in terms of going to school, right? And how do we support them? And how do we not? And I don't really think there's a wrong choice, right? I don't think it's wrong to pay for college or to not pay for college or to go to college or to not go to college, right? But I do think that that decision-making process as adulthood can start there. And so it's interesting that you brought up this idea that we have to take 100% accountability. I am so with you on that. And I think that sometimes can come from a bit of desperation, right? So I'll give you an example. There was a time I was the CEO of a multi-million dollar corporation. It was a chain of stores and we sold physical products and Things were not going well. Things were going well. I mean, sales were good, but things were not going well in that one of the board members decided that I was out. And so they came in to all the different stores, worked behind my back and tried to undo everything that I was doing with the company. And this is how people are in change, right? People don't like change. They don't want it to change. They don't want things to get better even. Even if you think they're going to get better. They don't think they're going to get better, right? And so I tried all of the maneuvers, right? I did all the business books about it. And one day I said to myself, I am going to have to make a drastic change because I am going to lose control of this company and my life depends on it, right? My livelihood depends on my ability to do this job effectively. And so I did some of these internal methods that we're talking about. And when I did them, it was two weeks, two weeks from then. I st Every day I would do it. 
twice a day on my way to work, my way back. And in two weeks, that same board member was taking me to lunch, telling me how brilliant I am, you know, really taking me to the opposite level. And my staff was ballistic. They were like, what did you do? What did you do? Did you, did you give away something? Did you take some of our rights and, 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 you know, downtime away? What did you do to satisfy that person? And I said, well, I could teach you, but you would have to be really open to get there. And that changed the face of that company, right? Because they did, most of them did say, I want to know, right? And then all, all bets are off about how you sell, how you function in the world, how you connect with each other as a team, you know? So- I, I've noticed that on your LinkedIn, though, being a CEO. And because you reach the nirvana to, of success or what other people define as success. And you're like, well, like you go to your own beat. Yeah. Cause, What's cause, next? Right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure after, when you're the CEO and you're stepping down, family, friends, associates, the company in general was saying, Donald, you're you're a CEO of a major corporation. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing is that we have to listen to ourselves. And there are people who really beat to the drum of doing the same job in the same career for decades. And it feels good to them. And they're able to lean into that and say, let me see what other nuance is over here. And maybe I'll make a change over there. Right. And they're going in a direction. But for me, probably all of those directions that I went to, and you're not wrong, I get to the pinnacle and I go like, okay, what's next? That all of that is really in service of knowing the human condition, right? That's the reach for all of it is how do I interact with other people? How do I, do I know? So, so this is really interesting in terms of business model. My first career in the theater was really a collaborative business model, right? There's a director. So there's one person deciding we're going to do a project. And then there are design teams and working teams and all of that, right? And each level of that is a team. And you have to learn to be collaborative. And when a lighting designer decides they're going to do a massive effect in a place that you didn't feel like there was going to be anything, you really have to work with yourself to say, okay, this is a creative process. I'm letting somebody else into this process. I'm not just off on my own. How do I be collaborative? And then how do I be collaborative with those actors? And how does the whole thing work together, right? So I was so fortunate to have this this understanding of how to open your heart and connect with other people in order to allow space and have that be in a business context. And then in my my subsequent career, right, I really had a different experience. I was in a corporate experience, right? But that is not how corporations generally work. It's not a collaborative experience. There are people who are management and they are trying to direct the salespeople or the delivery people or whatever team you're on. And there are people above them and people above them, right? And everybody's trying for the same thing, but the dynamics are absolutely separate. They're different, right? And so to be able to say, I know how to work on my own and I know how to be by myself 
I know how to work with other people. I know how to make that a collaborative, creative process. And I know how to work in a hierarchical society, which is what most corporations are. That when, if you're someone like me, when you're reaching for how does this thing work, right? That moment when I was really young and I was in the barn, right? I wanted to know how does it work? How do we make everybody else happy and make ourselves happy at the same time? (laughs) And then the questions changed over time, right? To not how can I make other people happy, but how can I satisfy myself? And what does that bring into the world? So yeah, it is an interesting trajectory. And absolutely, you have to be able to not hear people when they say, what are you doing? You are going in the wrong direction. Well, you're you're definitely stubborn, which is... (laughs) One of the keys, in my opinion, for success in any aspect, mind, body, spirit, happiness, joy. Now, what was the one, was there a defining thing that started you on this journey to find happiness and become the happiness coach, the joy coach? Yeah. So that's really interesting because it took a period of time for me. So there were a few pivotal moments. There was a moment and... I was still CEO of that company when my husband got very ill. And this is many years before he passed away. And he got very ill and he said, I don't with the top people in the country. And he said, I'm not doing any of that. Figure it out. Figure out how I can stay alive and not do that. And that was, you know, a part of our relationship that was really strong. We were a very good team and we leaned on each other in that way. And so I took it on as research. And that moment led to uh, the development of the spiritual health coach licensure, right? That moment led to, oh, what's really happening here for you is that your body has created a problem and that the way to undo the problem is to find the lack of stress in your body, right? Find the ease in your body, and then you'll be able to move forward. Now that sounds really easy. It sounds super easy. Like go take a bath or something, right? Not easy, right? Especially when your life is on the line. But he went through that process and it brought us both through that training to to understand mind, body, and and spirit in a way that is, you know, the way you read in books, mystical, right? Where the things that can be impacted are beyond belief. And I was fortunate to get that moment. And it really wasn't until 14 or 15 years later when I went through, as I described, that kind of portal of change of my husband's passing when I said, I'm doing this differently than other people. And I need to notice what's happening for me. What are the tools that I'm using that are the most effective, whether I'm walking through trauma or regret, right? Loss. These are really heightened circumstances. So they reveal what the highest effectiveness for the tools are. And so it was that moment about three years ago now that I said, okay, this is what, what if I can solve one, if I can tell people one thing that will solve all of the things, it is to work on peace, joy, freedom, right? There's a, there is a process that you go through. You can't get to joy without going through peace. So to work on joy 
as that goal and to do it in these very specific ways really allows you to line up with what you do want in your marriage or your spousal relationships. Matt, line up with what you do want in your business. Line up what, what you want with your relationships with parents and children and friends and family, right? And all of that stems from this one skill that you can develop. People don't think joy or happiness is a skill, right? They think that it is something that happens when something good happens. And so I just have to keep the good things coming and then it'll all be okay. But when there's no good thing on the horizon, you need to be skilled or you do get lost in that past that you referred to earlier. Now, you're very spiritual and I so am I. But the one thing, too, that I find fascinating is you stayed spiritual. A lot of people pull back spousal death or a death of a child or I know so many people that, oh, well, I lost my money, so I can't be spiritual. I have to be 100% a non-believer. But you didn't go that route. You went the route of pretty much this happened. Let me help other people that are going through similar situations. Let me guide them to, so they can be happy because they they can have joy because Quite frankly, that's very, if you go through life saying, I can't be happy, or there's no joy because something bad happens, no wonder so many people are popping pills or, or chasing happiness is because there's always something in life. It's called life. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you're absolutely right. It's life that will knock you down. It'll bring you to your knees. So get ready. Right. And that I think really is the messaging here is that life is going to beat you up and it's okay because that's that's part of the process of being here that's why we're here that's what we're doing we're mixing it up we're having experiences right and but if you prepare for that moment then it's a really different moment than if you are unprepared and you're not wrong. I think you're absolutely right that there is an underlying belief system that will help you with that. And we can certainly talk about that. I I do 100% believe that there's a long game here and it's longer than a lifetime, right? And so when you can tap into something that is bigger than you, when I was very young, one of the first people that explained this to me said, just go to a tree because a tree is tree. Lots of trees outlive you. So they are better than you at living, <laughs> right? So find something that is, that is bigger than you and believe that you're a part of the same system. And that really is an important piece of that spirituality that you mentioned. So by the time the world is falling apart for me, I am not thinking oh my goodness, well, sometimes I did think this, but I'm not focused in the direction of thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? My my world, I, I want my world back, right? Of course you think those things sometimes, but if you can, in those moments, say, okay, I know that I'm a person and that I'm here doing something in this world and that, that it, it really is for me to determine whether it's going to be for me or against me, that all of that is an internal change. Then I said to myself, and I will admit, I have the added 
benefit of going through marriage where we were really a tight team. So when I thought, <laughs> am I allowed to curse? <laughs> you can curse all you want. <laughs> when I thought, I don't. <laughs> that bastard left me, right? Because that's what it feels like. That bastard left, right? He left early. He went through the exit door. He wasn't supposed to do that, right? When I thought that, I also knew that this was a person who would not have done that. Two things, either on purpose, which maybe that's the case, or unless there is something for me to learn, someplace for me to go, that I couldn't go with him. And that this is a way for me to live out something that he's allowing me to live out that I would never get to do if we had continued the way we were. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow when you, lo when you lose someone. Most people are like, you know, F you. I would have liked to stay with him forever. And I would too, right? I would too. That was the promise we made in the beginning. We didn't promise a lifetime. We were too spiritually minded. So we promise forever, right? And then then forever is only a few years. It's like 30 years later, you're like, oh, that was a really short forever, <laughs> right? So really being able to look within and to connect to something bigger than you. And there are some tools to be able to do that, right? So utilize tools to help you do it. Not everybody relates to the same tools. That's one of the benefits of having a coach, right? Is that they know all the tools and they can go over to the tool table and say, for you in your situation, this is what's going to help you best. But to be able to utilize those tools to regulate the body and to make changes in your life, that's how you do that. That's how you walk through that. But the, the number one thing about tools is you, you still have to do the work. A lot of people want happiness. A lot of people just want joy, just given to them on a silver platter. They want success. They want money, but they don't want, they don't understand that everything's attainable if you have, but you have to do the work. Yeah. Think about this. All, all those Dr. Gray books on love, the, the, and then Chapman's book on the five languages of love and everybody's buying all these tools and all these programs, but they collect dust and people don't implement it. They, they don't understand. Yeah, congratulations. You know how language your soulmate, your partner or whatever operates on, but yet you still operate wanting them to, to adopt and understand your world. So I, I agree. We all need coaches and everything. People would always ask me, how many coaches do I have? I'm like, well, and can you imagine my life if I, I didn't have a coach of this or it's like going, everybody wants to learn how to ski or to snowboard. But I mean, logically, you would want a coach and you wouldn't just want to go up on and try to go downhill on, on a blue or a black without, you know, any, anybody guiding you. And it, it's not the cost too of, of any type of coach or any type of program. People need to focus on what's the, what is it costing you by not doing that? Mm. Because eventually chasing joy, chasing happiness, chasing people that never serve us for this, you know, it, Eventually, one gets tired and one gets regret. And a lot of times, bitterness and anger and all those bad emotions that people carry around in their, their Gucci or their Louis backpack, their proverbial backpack, and 
it causes cancer and stress and harm to, to one's body. Yeah. And what's interesting is that if you can't really go deep within yourself, then it also, you constantly come up with new solutions, right? So you buy a new book, you get a new tape program, you get a new, you even get a new, join the, what do you, they're called uh, membership programs, right? You, you join a membership program where you, it's kind of do it yourself, right? And when you do all these things, you might change, but you would have to have so many skills before you got there that if you're coming in brand new, you're going to need help. And this is the thing that facing yourself is really hard. And being willing to tell the, the whole story instead of just your part of the story, it's really hard. But when we're willing, when we say, these are the things that I'm willing to let go of. One day, I really wanted to get this certain thing. I wanted to develop this certain part of my business. And I was like, I am willing to do everything. I'm willing to run different kinds of ads. I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to do that. And I had been spinning my wheels on that project for a while and spending money, spending plenty of money, right? <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, what else are you willing to do? Are you willing to let go of who you used to be? Are you willing to let go of the image that your family has of you? Are you willing to let go of all of your mistakes in the past in order to figure out how to be present in this moment to make a new choice? Are you willing to calm your mind and communicate with your body to be able to have different types of relationships, not just with people, but with the project in front of you, right? And that was life-changing for me. That moment was like, yeah, yeah, take your medicine. You've got to do it, right? And I wrote it down, put it up on the wall. And every day looked at it and thought, am I willing? Some days, yes. Some days, no. Got to have more days, yes, or it doesn't work. A lot of times, though, to have that honesty and that vulnerability, it's it, to me, here's an example. I used to lie to myself and I used to lie to either cusp clients or just doing posts and videos. Well, my personal life can be a mess, but I'm the business guy. I'm the business coach. You know, don't don't judge me based on on what's going on, the turbulence and whatnot, until I realized how can, you know, mind, body, spirit, everything bleeds, everything's intertwined, everything bleeds into each other. And it wasn't until you know, just getting tired of going through the same motions. And it's not, it's, it's all when you realize it's you, you're attracting all these people that, that shouldn't be in your life because you feel that's what your worth is. So it, it's freeing, but at the same time, it's scary to say, yeah, it is me because so many people when you talk to single friends or divorced friends, I don't want the narcissist. I don't want the bipolar. I don't want the drama. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. But then the real question is, but then why do you keep on receiving it over and over again? Is it, is it them or is it you? And, and taking that question to the next level, right? So when we face ourselves, a lot of times people do that and it's really hard and they're in that really painful period. And then they get stuck there and they go like, well, I'm facing myself. 
That's what I'm supposed to do. Feel my feelings, right? And the thing is, there's a next step. And that next step brings you away from that, right? That next step is about what you do want, right? That next step allows you to shift your focus and bring in those things that you really do want, no matter what they are, whether they're new relation, a new romantic relationship or new clients. Why do I keep getting, how many times do you hear this? Why do I keep getting the same clients over and over again that I don't like working with, even though I've tried to change my focus, right? You hear this over and over again, and you'll see it in in romantic relationships as well. I keep recreating the same pattern. And that really means you have to go through the process. There's a there's a really good process that that is the the letters A D A A. And it is awareness. So that's part of that first face yourself thing. Detachment, this is a really important piece of the puzzle where you've got to find something bigger than you to be a part of. And I don't mean a group of people, right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean something within you that's bigger than you. And when you can do that, when you can detach, I actually, in one of my programs, I have a whole several lessons on exactly how to do that in your mind, right? With your body so that so that you can have a little space, you can have a little perspective, then you can make different choices. And that is really where that alignment piece comes in, that aligning with what you do want, right? Because sitting around talking about what I don't want, it's not going to serve you. I could very easily say, oh, I could have traded that CEO ship to another CEO ship. I could have been, gotten a bigger paying job. I could have, right? I could have done all of those things. Look at what I could have done. But none of that matters when we shift our focus to what do I want and how am I going to open myself to the presence of it so that I know where the stepping stones are to go over there. Fascinating. <laughs> Now, I know how to find you. (laughs) Clearly, coach to coach, I know 100% how to book you. How, how how, How does the listener find you? How does the listener see your material, hear your material? Because I do know you have a podcast. I was a guest on it. And how do they take the actual step? To me, commitment is actually booking an appointment and meeting with you. Because if we talk and we talk and we talk and we yammer, dreams are just dreams until you literally take action. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So there is a website called donalyn.blog. So you just put that in your browser, right? Type it in, donalyn.blog. And on that website, you will find a button that says book a call and you can get to me. You will also, if you find yourself thinking, I don't know, it sounds pretty good, but I haven't heard enough. You will also find my podcast, which you can get directly to at findingyoursparkagain.com. You can listen to Omar. And you will also get a free guide, right? If you're feeling particularly vulnerable to how to become unbreakable. So there's a lot of resources there. But honestly, if you've heard us talk today, you're and you're a fan of Omar's in particular, you'll know that commitment is very important. Putting yourself 
in forward movement is really important. So just go straight to the book a call button and we'll have a conversation and we'll make a plan for you how to do that. How do I get from where I am to where I want to be? Now, do you do group coaching or is it just one-on-one? I do group coaching. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So it's just group coaching. Yeah. Most of, I do have a few one-on-one clients, but it's a very selective program. So most of my clients are group coaching. Now, here's my question to you, because everybody always uses an excuse. Well, how can I be open? How can I be vulnerable I'm in front of all these strangers, in front of all these people? They're going to know that I'm human and that that I have real problems and issues just like them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good question. And it comes back to this question of commitment, because that that old adage of when you see somebody, you know, what is that one where they, if you're at a hotel with somebody you shouldn't be with and you see your neighbor with somebody they shouldn't be with and you're worried they're going to tell you on you, <laughs> what are they doing there? <laughs> Nobody's going to talk about you behind your back, right? And the other thing is that we do have a certain amount of anonymity. So that's built into the process that I use so that you really can you know, you're not putting your business card up and saying, this is who I am. Go tell everybody, (laughs) right? And there is a sacred space there. There is a space where it is being held for you so that it is safe to be who you are. And it is safe for you to learn from the other people who are also there. And it is an amazing process that has always surprised me how people, once they determine that they really, really do want to be happy, then the rest doesn't matter. It's like when you fall in love and everybody in your life says, don't go out with that one. What are you thinking? And you go, I'm going to do it. This is the best idea ever, right? And it works out for you (laughs) in my scenario. That that's that same feeling when you decide it's time for me to do something about this. And this is my method. I've connected with this person. I believe that they can get me there. Then wild horses can't hold you back. That's true. Now, how often does the group meet? I have several programs, but one of my most popular programs is a weekly meeting. And it's all virtual through Zoom. Yeah, everything's virtual. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm just trying to make sure nobody uses whatever excuse known to man. Yeah, no, everything's virtual. So I have several different programs. I do have some courses and things like that that are automated that you can grab a hold of. I also have group programs. The most impactful one is a year-long program that it meets weekly. And you really make massive change over the course of a year. And I will say that if you think that you're going to sit down and connect with people for a little bit, and then the next day you're going to be different, you're mistaken. You're going to be different, and then you're going to have a backslide. And then you're going to want, again, to go in that same direction. And then something's going to happen. You go, oh, I'm derailed. I can't go in that direction anymore. And so having that support through the course of a year is very, very, very important. So that's the most popular program that I have. And then with a few selective people, I do work one-on-one, but it's it's very selective. So constant and never-ending improvement, have awareness, be vulnerable, be open, 
do the work on a consistent basis. I know it, it's crazy, but the reason why we're in business is because people think that the answers are are mythical, that they're you have to go on this golden quest on a journey to find happiness, to find success, to find everything. We all have the tools. We just don't want to use them. Mm-hmm. God, the universe created us to thrive and not to suffer, not to just have the, the crumbs of anything. So here's my final question to you, because believe it or not, I can go on hours and hours with you because we're connecting. And But you know, we live in a TikTok environment where you know, any, any, anything over an hour, you know, people tune out because there's more important things like there's social media stalking exes or downloading and, and watching five seasons of, of Game of Thrones or what, whatever. But honestly, what would you tell that person that believes this is it? It is what it is. This is the best. And this is what I, this is, this is my life. They're sitting on the sidelines. They're hoping that the fairy godmother gives them everything or Cupid or whatever will finally give them happiness and joy. What words do you have that one person, that one cynic that says, "Eh, maybe it's not for me? Well, they're not easy words, but I want you all to lean in and listen. If you don't prioritize generating joy, then you will be exactly where you are or worse next year and the next year and the next year. And one day you'll wake up 30 years from now and think, oh, why am I so angry at people? Why didn't this work out for me? I was right. Happiness wasn't for me. So if that's the vision that you want, then it's a good thing not to take action, right? But if you do take action and prioritize joy and learn the tools to be able to support yourself so it's sustainable and repeatable and generatable by you, for you, then whatever comes next can be colored by all of that freedom and joy. Wow. Thank you. And like I said, there is no such thing as randomness. We're meant to be on each other's show. We are both in service. We just want to see people living with joy, living with happiness, living with success, and just stepping outside of their comfort zone and being the best versions, being the person that they were always meant to be. So you know, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity of me being on your show. And thank you for giving giving my listeners, and more importantly, me, because I, I am selfish. I started the podcast because I love I love interviewing successful, like-minded people. So uh, thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you, Omar. It's a pleasure and an honor. All right. Just imagine what if it did work.